Great is our Lord. Amen? God is good. God is big. And we can trust Him. I don't know about you, but I've been enjoying once again taking this deep look into who Jesus was, His words, His works. And this is our season finale of season three, episode four of Jesus the Series. And we have seen so much uh, about what Jesus did. And uh, man, it's just, it's a never-ending thing to look at the words of Christ and to be inspired by them, to see his actions and to be just all, uh, all, all found, that's not a word, dumbfounded maybe is a word, all struck, there you go, those two words together, all found, all right, that's great, right, amen, if you were here, I'm sure you'd just be laughing at me, but you're not, so I'm going to assume that you're laughing at home. But hey, Jesus was the greatest and is the greatest man to have ever walked the planet and the greatest leader, unlike any other leader that ever walked the planet. Why? Because he put everyone else in the whole entire world in front of himself, the whole human race. Every need of every murderer he put in front of himself, every harlot he put her needs in front of himself, the needs of the greedy and the prideful he put their needs in front of himself, the thief and the drunk, all of our needs, every single one of us, whatever category we want to fit ourselves into, the liar, the thief, the prideful God, whatever uh, we fit into, he put our needs in front of of himself. What other leader has ever done that? Those are not the type of actions that normal leaders use to influence people. But Jesus did that. But we instead try and put ourselves first. That's how we figure out that we inspire people, right? We we pump up our accomplishments and we uh, let everybody know how uh, these talents that we have and these good things that we can do And that's how we think we need to get people to follow us. But Jesus did something so very different. And it was opposed to everything that we do in this culture, on this earth, on this planet, to try and push ourselves out to be a leader. Just take a look at a social media of a politician or a celebrity. They are the center of their little world. Every picture has them in it. And that's why uh, they believe that these selfies, right, are just such an amazing tool. Because all of a sudden you stretch your arm out and now you're the center of the universe, right? You're you're in the middle of your group of friends. You're, You're there in Paris and you're in front of the Eiffel Tower and boom, you're at the center. And you are at the center of Paris, at the center of your universe, Or you're even, you know, you see some that are on missions trips, right? And they're there in Africa, you know, somewhere at the the most uh, poor place in the world. And they make themselves the center of the universe with a, a poor malnutrition child. Hashtag missions, hashtag so sad, right? And this way that we push ourselves, everything that we do, we push it out there because we've got to build our brand. We've got to get our name out there because we are an influencer and we are the center of our own little universe. But Jesus did something so very different. He made others the center of his universe. See, the problem with this self-absorbed, look at me, me first lifestyle is Andy Sandley says this. He said, this is the problem. He says, it's impossible to have a genuine relationship with a self-absorbed individual. 
James 1, uh, 4, 1 tells us that most fights happen because we want something from people and they don't give it to us. And then we get angry and, and we get upset because we're not getting what we think we deserve because we are the center of our little universe. It says, from whence come fighting and wars, even on larger scales, from whence come fighting and wars when we have a desire that is not met. And that's most of the time, if we dig down into everything uh, that we fight about, at the center is we're not getting something that we want. And that stirs up our anger. That stirs up our envy and our pride. See, the biggest problem with selfishness and self-centeredness is selfishness is like every other appetite. The more you feed it, the bigger and hungrier it gets. See, when we feed these things in us, they don't get satisfied. They're never satisfied. They just get bigger and take more control. C.S. Lewis, I've quoted this before, but I love this quote. It says, an appetite grows by indulgence. Starving men may think much about food, but so do gluttons. Hey, when we make these things the center of ourselves, the center of our universe, there is no end. There is no a time where I finally accomplished what I wanted to. I finally got all the respect I needed to. I finally got everybody else's attention and all of the honor that I needed, all the worship and all the praise. I'm finally there. No, it never, ever ends. And we become narcissistic and we become people that are just concerned with ourselves, but Jesus lived a life totally 180 degrees different than that. Jesus didn't come to get something. He came to give something. And we're going to see in his word that that is what's best for us. Because if you want to live a very unsatisfied life, then live for yourself. Indulge in self. And that's the most unsatisfied life you could ever have. But we see an example of Jesus living 180 degrees different than that. And that's going to be found in Mark 1, 40 through 45, if you want to turn there in your Bibles, if you can. But we see this example in uh, three of Jesus' biographers. Uh, he, they captured that in the Gospels. And, and we're going to look specifically at uh, Mark's account. And here we go, verse 40. It says, a leopard came to him, Jesus, imploring him and kneeling, said to him, he gets down on his knees and says, if you will, you can make me clean. And it says, Jesus moved with pity. Other versions say compassion. He stretched out his hand and he touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. But Jesus, it says, he sternly charged him and he sent him away at once and said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest, which was the way that they uh, were able to enter back into society. They thought they were clean of that uh, uh, leprosy, that the priest would check him out. And then he'd say, all right, you're good. You can go back and live uh, in your, your home. But he says, go to the priest and offer your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But this man, he went out and began to talk freely about it. 
and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town. But it was in desolate places. He had to go out into the desert, out into faraway places, and people were still coming to him from every quarter. Now, a leper was someone that was not accepted by society. To have leprosy meant leaving your house, your family, your friends, and living a life of extreme discomfort. And it was also living with a death sentence because you were reminded every single day by that pain that you were going to be in agony and torment for the rest of your short life. A life walking around with bloody rags covering you and open sores with people running from you and calling you unclean because nobody cares about who you were. Nobody cares about what you have done, what your name really was. All they now call you is unclean. Right now we're getting a really small glimpse of what that feels like, right? We can't get within six feet of each other and we go into the grocery store and people get out of the way. But imagine that for the rest of your life. And imagine that it was easy to see on the outside that you were a carrier of this leprosy, that you were someone that was unclean. The leper sees Jesus from afar off and and he runs to him. He knows who Jesus is, apparently. He knows he's a man that can help him. And he falls on his knees and he cries out, Jesus, if you wanted to, you could heal me. If you wanted to, if you will, you could do something about what I am experiencing. Jesus, you could give me back my home. You could give me back my family, my friends. You could take away this pain. You could give me my life back. You could give me my identity back. Jesus, if you will, if you wanted to, you could do it. Jesus doesn't turn away like this man had Uh, seen so many times when he's asked people to help him. He didn't turn away. He doesn't cringe. He doesn't look at him or step back in disgust. No, instead he is moved with compassion and he reaches out his hand and he touches the untouchable. He says, I do want to help you. I do want to help you. And he heals him. He says, you are healed. In a moment, everything changes for this man, this leper. We don't even know his name now, but he is healed. But Jesus did something different after this. He told him not to tell anyone. That's different, right? That's weird, right? Today, when uh, people talk about uh, healing people, right, and, and being, you know, like Jesus, where they could just like touch people or whisper, or, you know, smack them or something like that. And then they're healed all of a sudden. They're not often doing that without saying, hey, don't tell anybody about it, right? They want to be up on a stage. They want to push it out there. And then they want to drop their link in the bottom that says, hey, you know, make your donation and God will, the seed that your plan, your faith, whatever you want, God will give it to you. But Jesus says, don't tell anyone. Jesus didn't want the credit. He didn't want the publicity. He just wanted to be able to continue to minister to that city. But like many of us, this man didn't have the self-discipline maybe that he needed to have, right? He couldn't hold it in. He was too excited. 
I imagine him running up and down the street, hugging and dancing with everyone and just shouting and jumping up and down. Jesus healed me. Jesus healed me. I'm not unclean anymore. I've got my name back now. I've got everything back, everything I ever wanted uh, that I had lost. It's changed. Jesus healed me. The King James says it in a way that I like. It says, he blazed abroad the matter. He blazed abroad the matter. I mean, he is on fire with excitement. He spread the news. But Jesus helped this man when he knew that helping this man was going to make his mission harder. He didn't want the attention. He wanted to be able to move freely about throughout the city. He didn't want to go out in desolate places. He would love to have been just able to continue to minister there. But Jesus was moved with compassion. Jesus wasn't motivated by selfish ambition. He put this man's needs in front of his own needs. And he genuinely genuinely took interest in the well-being of this man. Jesus knew what he could do. He knew how he could change this man's life, and then he did it. Now, we don't know what kind of man this was or what life he lived before he was a leper, But we know for sure that he wasn't as important as Jesus, right? It's hard to stack up there, right? Jesus is God. This guy probably was, you know, maybe a decent guy. But he didn't deserve this. And not only that, now he was a leper and everything he used to be was lost. Everything he brought to the table was no more. What possibly could Jesus have gained from healing this leper? And think about this, Jesus' time on earth was the most valuable time of all. Jesus only had a three-year ministry where he openly just showed everyone who he was, that he was the Messiah. And this was the most valuable time to have ever existed. And Jesus gladly and lovingly gave this man his time and his touch. And this wasn't the first or the last time that Jesus would put others' needs before himself. He would heal the sick. He would wash the feet of those that betrayed him. He would comfort the brokenhearted. And ultimately, he took the punishment of all of our sin and all of our disease and all of our uh, uncleanliness. He took all of that and died on the cross for it. And he did it for every single human that has ever existed. See, I am bent towards selfishness. You are bent towards selfishness. And if allowed unchecked, we will always improve our situation before we improve other situations. If you're not paying attention to your bank account, it's always going to mostly flow towards you. If you're not paying attention to your time, it's always going to mostly uh, flow towards you. If you're not paying attention with your interactions with other people, you're always going to put your needs over other people's needs. But Jesus modeled something different. He showed us how to live. And now God wants us to model that for this world, that you don't have to live in a way that pushes your brands and pushes your agenda and pushes your opinion. You can live differently. And it doesn't mean that your life is going to be meaningless then. Because that's our fear, right? Well, if I don't get my way, how am I going to ever make a mark on this world? Well, Jesus made a mark on this world by submitting to the will of the Father 
than putting other people's needs before everyone else. And that's how you can make a difference too. See, Jesus didn't come to get something. He came to give something. Philippians 2, 3, uh, there Paul reminds us that we need to put the interests of other people before ourselves. And that's a scary thing for us to think about. But what about me? I'm going to get taken advantage of. He tells us to let each consider others better than ourselves. We talked about on Wednesday, the Good Samaritan, and how we're supposed to love each other like Christ, like Christ loved us. To love our neighbor. But see, it's not only a commandment. These aren't only things that God just says, hey, we need to do these things and, and, you know, get it right. You need to, to put other people's needs first. That's not just the commandment that he made up. It is for your best interest. Just like everything God tells us to do. It's for your good. Yeah, yeah, it's hard. And yeah, sometimes it it takes away our, uh, you know, agenda, our dreams, our wishes. But it's always for your good to put other people's needs in front of your own. Why? Because a person that is full of himself or herself is the emptiest person alive. Jesus' example shows us to put others first because people are precious. So what's your excuse for not helping others? Is your schedule more important than helping someone? Is your reputation more important than getting down and serving others? Is your ego and your pride tell you that I'm not the person? That's not me. I'm not going to set up chairs or I'm not going to pick up trash or I'm not going to go and deliver food or, or whatever is your thing that you say, that's not my thing. That's somebody else's thing. See, the Bible says Jesus humbled himself and became obedient to death even the death on the cross. Jesus gave us his time. He gave us his life. So if my life is boiled down to a statement, is my life, does my life exist for myself or does my life exist for others? See, look, someone has to go first. Someone has to, right? And and, and maybe you've been, and this has happened to me recently, maybe you have a, just come up to a door at the exact same time, even before this whole thing, right? Where you come up to a door at the exact same time. Has this ever happened to you? And you're just like, oh, who, who's supposed to go first here? What's supposed to happen here? Well, see, we have a choice to make right then. And if you put yourself first, there's potential for conflict, right? If you're in a car and you... Take, you go first, right? This is, it's me. You're both staring at each other, maybe like, hey, you, me, you, me, me. And I go first. There's potential for a conflict. You might get a certain hand signal. You might get someone beeping their horn at you. Things could get bad. But if you let others go first, there's potential for relationship. No, you, you first. Hey, no, 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 you go. You take the last piece of pizza, right, at work, you know, they, they, someone buys pizza and it's there, there's one piece left. You take the last piece of pizza, there's potential for conflict. Man, you're a jerk. You're so selfish. I can't believe you did. But if you let someone else have it, there's potential for relationship. 
If you're always the one that has to talk and has to be heard and you've just got, you can't keep your opinions to yourself. There's potential for a conflict if that's you. But if you're the person that always listens and always hears and says you first, then there's a potential for relationship. If you're the one that always says and demands that things be done their way, then there's potential, big potential for conflict. But if you allow others to decide, there's potential for relationship. Either I go first or I allow you to. And in God's economy, the chance for a relationship being strengthened is always more precious than going first. See, when the kids were younger, Tori and I made a rule up if, if, because this happened, you know, Chloe and Noah are two or four or something like that. And they're, hey, I'm going to go first. I want to go down the slide first. I want to get on the swing first. I'm going to ride first. And whenever they did that, we always said, nah, I, I. no, you get to go last now. We quote that verse, you know, the first should be last, the last should be first. Parents love to throw those things in there, right? Jesus juke them. Make it, make it seem like we're the Bible. But see, demanding your way never enriches relationships. Demanding your way never enriches relationships, but instead destroys them. If you're that person that has got to look just like you, you've got to get your opinion in. You ever have a conversation with that? Uh, there's people that I know, and uh, we're talking, and it could start off real pleasant, and I know there's going to be something at the end of that thing. You know, they're, they're going to slip something in. They can't, they can't help it. They won't help it. They don't realize that uh, you know, maybe people are more than just a means to the end. You ever feel that way? This person's just using me to get something. And as a pastor, sometimes that happens to me a lot. I, you know, people talk to me, and by the end, oh, hey, pastor, you ever thought about this? <laughs> okay, there it is. That's why you wanted. You know, that's why you wanted to talk to me. You didn't want to just, you know, maybe see how it was doing, right? But when we do that, we're using people, and Jesus put the needs of other people before Himself. Demanding our way never enriches relationships, but instead destroys them. Selfishness is the enemy of relationships. And ultimately, selfishness will destroy families, it will destroy friends, it will destroy teams, and it will destroy churches. Putting yourself first. And see, God knows the danger there. And that's why he commanded us to put others first, others' interests before our own. And that's why Jesus gave the ultimate example through his words and works on this earth. Jesus showed us how to live. Jesus took the time for someone that the world deemed was the least important, the untouchable, the unclean. He took the time and he healed him despite the fact that it was going to make his ministry harder. And he put the interest of the leper over himself. And then he put your salvation over his suffering. Jesus lived a life for others. And now it's your turn. Yeah, I know you're busy. And I know that people might take advantage of you. Yeah, I know that you have rights that you don't want to be stepped on. There are a million excuses to live for self. The world tells us to live for self. It tells us that is normal. You need me time. You need self time. You need to have it your way. You need to make yourself, you need to be assertive. But Jesus gave us the ultimate example to live for others. I've quoted part of this uh, poem before by Charles Meigs, uh, but I don't think I've ever quoted the whole thing. And he puts it perfectly. He says, Lord, help me live from day to day 
in such a self-forgetful way that even when I kneel to pray, my prayer should be for others. Help me in all the work I do to be ever sincere and true and know that all I do for you must needs be done for others. Let self be crucified and slain and buried deep and all in vain may efforts be to rise again unless to live for others. And when my work on earth is done, and my new work in heaven's begun, may I forget the crowns I've won while still thinking of others. Others, Lord, yet, uh, yes, others. Let this my motto be. Help me to live for others that I might live like thee. Jesus modeled something so very different for us, putting others over ourselves. And that's what he asks us to do. If you want to live in a counterculture way, this is the way to do it. If you want to be different, this is the way to do it. Stand out by letting others go first. Every head's bowed and eyes closed. Band's going to come. We're going to sing here in just a second. I don't know about you, but I've been challenged in this, uh, this lesson, this, this sermon, this, this passage of Scripture. Because every single one, if you're lying to yourself if you don't think you have this problem. Every single one of us do. Where I think of myself first, whether I have the energy, whether I have the resources, whether I have the, the capability, God help us to live for others. Help us to be different. Why don't you take a, a moment? Band's gonna play for just a second. Let's pray and, and reflect on this.